0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thanks, worship team. Good morning, church family. Thanks for being here today as we get started with our Easter celebration. And as we were just singing that song, I was reminded of the uh, the series we went through a couple years ago we called Jesus Is, and just thinking about our purpose, and even in this series, is really just to fix our eyes on Jesus and remember who He is, what He's done for us, and to, to follow Him with everything that we've got. But in that series, do you remember the six truths about Christ that, that He wants us to know, remember, and these are these things that hopefully eventually we get these cold, you know. Jesus is fully God, fully man. He is our Savior. He is our defender. He is building his church. He is coming again, and then something in me wanted to add a seventh. I don't know. Did anybody else feel that way? Like, you can't stop with six. There's got to be a seven, and six was somewhat random. We could go on and on, But, but I This week, as I was thinking about the truth, we're going to be in the Gospel of John. John says several times, uh, he he, um, records the moment where Jesus says, I am, I am, I am. I think it's seven times, seven I am's, I believe, where Jesus is explaining who he is. And just uh, basking in those, I am the light of the world. He shows us the way to live. He shows us the way to, to be right with God. I am the bread of life. That, that will satisfy. I am the good shepherd. I am, and the list goes on. Last week we, we looked at I am the vine. Abide in me, and you'll bear much fruit. I am, I am. And for whatever, wherever you are in your life today, he is enough, right? As we celebrate spring, isn't it fun how it's almost like after winter, it we experience it all over again, and we're like, wow, look at this. It's happening again. <laughs> Sun coming out, the uh, warm weather, and here comes life. But every flower, every branch, every blade of grass is new. Never been here. And what's the purpose of, of the creation that God's bringing into creation? His glory. You and I, unique creations. We're, and neat to see some of our moms coming in, expectant moms, with about to have a baby and a new human, you are unique, I'm unique, we're all unique, and what's the purpose of our unique lives that we might display the glory of God as no one else can display it, as we come alive in his presence. And so for over the next three weeks, really, it's to grow in our faith, to believe, to awaken to who he is, to allow him to do what he's going to do in us, that we might bring him glory. And so thanks for being a part of this. Here we go. We are, could anyone use a little good news today? We, we are about to bask in the best of news. The danger is this news that we're going to bask in is, is familiar to most of us, and therefore it might become white noise, the curse of knowledge, and we just kind of shut it down. So praying that through John and through a conversation with a guy named Nicodemus, we will awaken again to the wonder and the beauty and, and the life-changing power of this good news. So we'll start in John chapter 20. End of the book, we're going to... This, this won't spoil it, but, uh, but this will help us understand it as we work our way through a couple parts of it. John chapter 20, verse 30, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written. So sign after sign throughout the book of John Signs, 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 all kinds of signs. He, he's going to write. He's going to record. He says, these are written so that you may, and here's the purpose, believe. Believe what? That Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And here comes the good news, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And so we're going to roll back to the start of the book. The uh, chapter 3, we pick it up. There's a religious leader that comes to Jesus, kind of strange that he's coming to him right now, because Jesus just flipped the tables in the temple, if you remember that, made a whip, he's driving the people out, messes with the religious uh, power structures of the day, this guy shows up at night to talk with him, his name is Nicodemus, we pick it up in John chapter 3. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a, a member of the Jewish ruling council, and he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the what? Sign, 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 sign. So he's been watching these signs, and he's like, obviously, no one could do these these signs if God were not with him. So who is this Nicodemus? We know, one, he's a Pharisee, which means this guy is not just good. He's, cap, all caps, G-O-O-D, good. He, he is a Pharisee was one of 6,000 uh, people at, at one time there in the nation of Israel who not only committed to keep the, Mo- the law of Moses, the, the law that we have, the Ten Commandments, etc., but rather the scribal law, which were the fences that they put around the law of Moses so they wouldn't uh, not keep the law of Moses. So he is all in with, with doing the good thing or the right thing. But we also see here, interesting, that he's a member of the Jewish ruling council which we know is the, it's the Sanhedrin, which he was one of 70 guys, respected leaders, respected decision maker in Israel, who were pretty much the Supreme Court of the nation. So this is a, a good guy. He's a respected guy. He's, he's wise. And as he comes to Jesus, notice how he comes with respect. There's nothing in the text that would cause us to think that he's not sincere in saying, okay, I'm coming with an open heart. He's a learner. What's going on here is unique. And so... He's sincere as he he comes to Jesus, which makes what Jesus says to him a shock. It's almost like he comes respectfully to this teacher, and Jesus takes this cup of cold water of truth and just goes, hits him in the face with it. It's like, whoa, why lead with that? Verse 3, Jesus replied very truly, truth upon truth. You you say God is with me? You you think what I'm doing is unique? Well, Well, chew on this truth. Splash. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. What? Why did he lead, lead with this truth for Nicodemus? Well, what do we know about Nicodemus? What can we assume? And I just picture Nicodemus coming to Jesus there. He's got his journal open, ready to write down the, the next thing to do, right? What, what does he need to do? And he's willing. You say it, seems to have an open heart, to be, to be open to process it and, and possibly do it. And Jesus says, in order to see, not just get in, but in order to even see the kingdom of God, you have to be born again. Now, when he says kingdom of God, what's he talking about? It's the, the, it's the, the, the reality where we can see the king, we have a clear view of who God is, and we're, we're able to do what the king calls us to do. A kingdom is where, where the will of the king it's happening. And and it personally remember Jesus taught us to pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done. So even to see this reality, he's saying, You must be born again. There's only one way that you're gonna you're gonna see this. So what's he doing here with Nicodemus? And and you can see as the text goes on, as uh Nicodemus is he's biting hook, line, sinker. He's engaged in this conversation. Now, Jesus, being the master teacher, knew what button to press, and he pushed it. In verse 4, Nicodemus says, how can someone who be born when they're old? He asked, surely they cannot go back a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, when Jesus said born again, Wrapped up in these, packed into this word, these words are three concepts, all that, that are at play. The first is born from above, born from heaven. The second is born a second time, born again. Then the third is this idea of a radical change that, that would come with a new birth. You're born into a new new reality. And Nicodemus, it's like he's processing out loud as he grabs the second idea there and goes literal with it. How, okay, how can I be born again? Like we can't go back into our mother's womb. Well, we can't do that. To which you can almost see Jesus smiling saying, right, right, right. You're going with it. You're tracking with me, Nicodemus. You can't do this. And then he goes on. says, okay, you're, you're, you're tracking with this bit of truth. Let me give you some more truth. Very truly, verse 5, truth upon truth, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God. So we've gone from seeing the kingdom to entering the kingdom unless... They are born of water and the Spirit. What does he mean? Water represents the Word of God. We know the, the washing of the Word. It's the Word of God that, that cleanses us as we uh, accept it and live by it. But, it's, uh, but then he says, by the water and, or by the, uh, born of water and the Spirit. Now immediately, uh, Nicodemus' mind should go back to, to Ezekiel 36, 25, where Jesus is giving the new covenant. And he says, there will come a day when I will put my spirit within you, and I will give you a new heart, new creation, right? And, and you will do, do what I've called you to do. You'll live in accordance with the, the, the king and, and in alignment with, with his will. And he goes on, flesh gives birth to flesh, and, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. Meaning, physically we give birth to physical beings, but the spirit, when he comes to give new life, he creates a, a new spiritual being. Verse 7, you should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The uh, quick side note, when, when the Spirit of God brings new life to us, new birth to us, It's interesting how it's always unique, right? Each one of our stories of of being reborn in Christ, he uses different things, different um, circumstances, but it's always the Spirit that's bringing the life. Well, Nicodemus, he's still processing in verse 9, and he's like, okay, how can this be? How can this be? How can this be? How are these things going to be? How can I be born again? Okay, if this is how it happens How how does all this work? And can you imagine the frustration that's going on in his heart right now? Here's a doer, a guy that's willing to do it, has been doing it, and Jesus comes to him and he says, the only way that you're going to enter the kingdom of of God is you have to be born again. The one thing that he can't do, Jesus is telling him, you have to go do this. You talk about messing with this guy. Creating a, a heart that's just at di- serious disequilibrium. What do we do to be born physically? Stop and think about that. Like, what part did you play in your physical birth? Did you be like, man, I want that mom. I'll take her, and I want to be born in this time. I want to be 19. 19- you know, whatever, 2000s, and, and I want to be born in that country, that family. What did you do for your uh, birth physically? <laughs> and it's kind of scary to think about it, and they're sober and humbling. We did absolute, we're creatures created by the grace of God alone, right? Now here, here it comes. What did you do for your spiritual birth? Or what he's t- telling Nicodemus. Nicodemus, to, be, to enter the kingdom of God, you have to be born. So as Nicodemus, a doer, he's saying, okay, if I have to be born, how do I do that? Right? And there's the tension. How, how can I be born again? What, what, what must I do? I can just see Jesus beginning. He, he's, he's, he's tracking He says, okay, verse 9, how can this be, Nicodemus? You're a teacher. You're one of Israel's teachers. And you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, truth upon truth, here it comes. We speak of things that we know and we testify what we have seen, but still, you people, and though you there is plural, I think he's talking of all the religious leaders You people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak to you of heavenly things? He's, He's still drawing him in. And then he says this, no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven. And I can imagine Jesus saying, the son of man, pointing to himself, even in this moment with Nicodemus, no one but me. And I'm about to tell you something that's not just of earth but of heaven. And here it comes. Here's the truth. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in Him. How can I be born again? There is only one way. When Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, Nicodemus probably had memorized this moment. It was a moment when the children of Israel had been set free from uh, Egypt. God led them into the, towards the promised land. They're in the wilderness. They started grumbling against God and Moses. So he sent snakes to, to, uh, to, to help them turn back to him. And these snakes were biting them. They were dying. They go to Moses. They pray. Ask Moses to pray. Moses prays. God says, put a pole up in front in the middle of the camp and put a snake on that poor or create a snake and he created a bronze snake and he said who and told the people whoever looks to that snake as the provision God has provided will be healed and they were and Jesus is is teaching us here teaching Nicodemus that moment was a foreshadowing of the salvation of all of humanity every human has been snake bit by the, and is suffering from the poison of our sin. But here's our hope. Nicodemus, it's not in what you do. It's in you being reborn by looking to Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of Man, who will be lifted up on a cross as your substitute. And we know the story. Jesus takes our penalty upon himself, suffers the wrath of God. Instead of us dying, he dies. Instead of us suffering, he suffers, and he gives us the life, eternal life. And and we know eternal life is not just quantity of years, duration, it's quality, it's peace, it's shalom. This is the good news. Crazy thing, though, John shuts down the conversation right here. We, we have this conversation going with this religious leader and we're, we're two, it's like when you're watching the show and you're all into it and somebody sits on the remote and the TV goes off like, hey, turn that back on. What just happened? Why are we shutting it down right here? And it's almost like John is saying, I, I gotta sum it up for you right now. With, with this picture of Jesus on the cross, I gotta tell you why. I, I gotta write, give you the big picture and this is it. Four. God so loved the world. Why did Jesus suffer on the cross? This is why. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And so what is our response to this truth this morning? And the simple response is this. Believe. Believe. It's to look to Jesus and believe in him. What about him is to believe that he is the Messiah. He is the one that our Creator sent for us to be experienced forgiveness for all the wrong that we've done, committed against him, to receive forgiveness, but also freedom to, uh, to experience life, lived in a love relationship with our God. Believe that he died on the cross for our sin, rose from the dead, and promises eternal life to everyone who believes. This call to believe assumes that we we know who he is, what he did for us, and what he promises for us. And so it's a process. This isn't blind faith. Remember, John says, I've written you a whole book so that you would have sign, 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 That this is the Messiah, the Son of God, so that you will believe in him and in believing you'll have life. So if, if you're in that journey, I encourage you, seek him. A great place to start is the book of John. Don't, sometimes we, we come to um, think that we realize, okay, there. I look around, there must be a God, so I'm going to go figure him out. The Bible, say the Bible has truth about him, so we start in Genesis. Not a good place to start, right? Start in John. It, it, the, that's a good starting play, place where we understand Christ, and then through the eyes of Christ, we understand the rest of, of his revelation to us. So who is he? And signs will point. He is the Messiah, the promised one. And he is the Son of God. He is fully God, fully man, sent to save us. What did he do for us? And the, the one thing, he was a great teacher, great example, all these things. But the main thing is he came to die in our place on the cross as our substitute to, to take the punishment we deserve so that we might have life. And what's his promise to us? If we will look to him in faith, He will give us eternal life. So the question for each of us today is, do you believe? Do you believe? How can we be born again? New birth happens at the foot of the cross as we look to Jesus Christ and say, I'm done trying to be right with God. I'm trusting you alone for my forgiveness and and for life, eternal life, and we come alive in him today if if you've never verbalized your faith in in our lord again as i mentioned it's a process and a process of awakening to who he is but uh maybe today you're here and for, for the first time this is making sense and i would encourage you to go ahead and and just tell him through prayer just say something to the effect of I believe that you love me. I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He died for me. I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. I confess my sin to you. and I'm trusting you as my Savior. And, and put that in your own words and just express that to the Lord. Later on we'll pray, and I encourage you to take that step and just verbalize with your mouth or with, uh, in your thoughts that you believe this, own this, and, and it's in those moments the Spirit of God makes us new. We're reborn. The, uh, this week we're celebrating the, a rose on the piano for our faith family. It means somebody this week we found out had their rebirth moment and trusted Christ as their Savior, looked to Jesus, and received the gift of, of salvation through faith in Him. And this week little Breckin Finley put his faith and trust in, in Jesus Christ. This good news is simple enough for a child. To receive it, Jesus told us that, and and uh, he began his faith journey. And what happened in that moment was the Spirit created in him a, in him a new person. And we still have the old that we battle with, but we have this new creation in Christ that's God in us and Christ in us. And it begins a journey of faith where we—it's not over. It's not like a one-time deal where we we set a prayer and now we go live our life. Now we start walking with Him and our faith grows, and it grows. He gives us faith by faith catalyst we talk about as a church family that will help our faith grow. We worship, reach, connect, grow, serve or really those things that help us awaken to Him and then follow Him. And we start with baby steps, and He says, okay, trust me with this, and we're like, ah. Step, He's faithful, our faith grows. Step, faithful, faith grows. Step, faithful, and boom. By the time we're at the end of our journey, hopefully, We're busting it, right? Um, We're running hard into the life of love by faith in Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And so our first response is to believe. Second response here we see is to uh, celebrate our new birth as we fall on our knees in worship and thank God for his love to us. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And the word that just jumped out to me this week was this word, so. That word shoots us like a, it's like out of a cannon, cannonballing into the ocean of God's immeasurable love, doesn't it? How much does God love you? God so loves the world, you and me. We can't describe it. John says, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Like, (laughs) immeasurable. Now, we're going to drop here just for a moment into a truth that's not meant to be understood fully. And if we could understand all the truth there is of God, he would, you would start to think that we created this God that we worship. And so there will be some truths that, that if you, you're not, we're not meant to understand. They're meant to be worship igniters. Every time you find this truth that I'm about to share with you, it's meant to stoke worship. And don't try to figure it out. Drop to our knees and say, God, you are awesome Thank you, thank you, thank you. And here's the truth. You guys ready? What part did you play in your spiritual rebirth? Those of you who have been born again, who are, have entered the kingdom of God, you can see Jesus, you love him, you, you desire to follow him, you're experiencing this good life that he gave us. What part did you play in your rebirth? Absolutely none. Say, wait a minute, I thought I found God. No. <laughs> God found you. He chose you. We are saved by grace alone. But, but didn't I have, I chose God with faith? No, he gave us the faith through which we, we saw him. We are saved by grace through faith. Who gave you the faith to believe? God did. Who gets the the credit for your salvation? (laughs) He gets all of it. Now, do you feel your brain starting to fry? Now, let that fry just drop us to our knees and say, God, thank you, thank you, thank you. I was lost in my sin, my brokenness. I was dead. Nothing in us ever wanted God from him awakening us by his grace to who he is every good desire that you will have is a gift of his grace where he gives you the faith to, to see that that's a good thing to pursue and so he gets all the praise and glory and so today as we think about those of us who have responded to the gospel our response really is, is one of, of celebration it's why we worship why we sing the, uh, just to thank him for this new birth. Someone said when you turn 13, uh, you, you need to quit, you know, making a big deal out of your birthday because you're a man now, right? And so suck it up and just, it's another day. And I get that from, you know, living with a it's not about me type of attitude. But not in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, every day is a day to wake up and just say, thank you, Lord, for my new birth. Because it's solely by your grace and your mercy, right? And uh, we praise him for the birth that he's given us. We, we join with Peter where he says in, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, we'll put it on the screen here, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. How did our birth come about? Great mercy. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And I love, he, he keeps walking, he says, in this we greatly rejoice, now for a little while we may have to suffer grief in all these trials. These trials temporary, and, and so today um, we believe, but we also celebrate our new birth in him. How good is it to be in the kingdom of God? And just to hear our our king say, you know all that stuff that you used to worry about, like what am I going to eat, what am I going to drink, and what about my job, what about my friends, what about my clothes, what about all these things? Don't worry about any of that. Your father knows all that before you, you even ask him. Look at the birds, look at the flowers. Don't worry about that stuff. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be given to you. And when you get scared and you're feeling alone, know that I will never leave you. Or forsake you. I will walk with you all the way home. And when you get discouraged about stuff down here. Remember I'm preparing a place for you. No eye is seen. No mind can uh, conceive. No ear heard. What God has prepared for those who love him. But what's the text say? But the spirit whispers it to us. And we dream. What's to come? I've got an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Why? The great mercy of our God. And then our our last response, we believe, we celebrate, and then response number three is that we go share this good news with those around us. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes Will not, die, will not perish, but have eternal life. And then again he says it in verse 18, whoever believes is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. And I love that word whoever and that it, it just, the hope that flows out of that, we're praying for those in our lives that, that may not know God. And I know often trying to live life apart from God it leads to mess after mess after mess. And it may be, maybe it's a family member for you, a friend, Somebody and you're you're looking at their life thinking, man, there's no hope. Where's the hope? Well, when we're spiritually dead, we're going to act like spiritually dead people, and and our lives are going to look like that. But is our God big enough to make spiritually dead people come alive? And that word, whoever, says yes, yes, a thousand times yes. How does he do it? He said, I I will bless my word. You take my word, it will accomplish what I created it to accomplish. And so we take the gospel, the good news, this word that John gave us, or God gave us through John. Paul says in Romans 1.16, the gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Can you make a person believe in Jesus? Can you make somebody, can you argue somebody into the kingdom of God? No, no more than we can make a dead person come alive. But what can we do? What does God call us to do? Take, take his word, the seed of his word, and go planting it in our hearts. And then God will do what only he can do. He will bring the new birth. But it's through the, the planting of the gospel. And we get to go share the good news as we do what he called us to do. Go be a witness to the reality of this truth, what, it's done, what he's done for us as we share this with, with those around us. Isn't that awesome? And so, guys, the, the, as a ministry team, really, this year, we've been praying, Lord, make me a blessing. Back in Coming out of the promise to, to uh, Abraham, back in Genesis 12, where God said, I will bless you, and through you, I'll bless the, the entire nation. Jesus, the fulfillment of that, us as his body, we're here to uh, bless, share what God's given to us, and the greatest blessing that we can ever give anyone is the gift of this message of hope. And so, as we come into Easter, really, this is the culmination of our, our Go Bless initiative. And so, on your chairs, there were these uh, little cards. And these are, we'll call them invite invitation, um, I was going to say seeds, but a picture of just taking these out. And wouldn't it be cool if all of us go invite one person prayerfully? or one family, to join us for Easter next next week. Easter's a time still in our culture where people think about going to church, we'll often say yes, and we go um, with prayer and with love, and just say, hey, would you want to join us for our Easter celebration? And we'll be talking about the resurrection, but also sharing the message of the gospel, and just be praying that, Um, as we welcome guests into our fellowship, that God will do what only he can do and turn this room into a birthing center that that will transform lives for eternity and for his glory. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so here's our action step, our challenge. But we've believed, celebrate, and now let's go share. And if God gives us the opportunity to be ready to share this message of hope, to which we all get a little nervous, like, hmm. Am I going to say the right thing? How do I do this? Well, John 3.16 is an awesome outline. God loved, God gave, we believe, we receive. It's all right there and it's simple. God loved. We get to lead with that. And aren't you thankful that our job is is not that of the prophet Jeremiah or Isaiah where they had to come declaring judgment? That's not our posture or our tone. It's not the message. This is what what the text say. Jesus didn't come to condemn, but to save. And everyone who believes will be saved. We get to lead with this. God loves you more than you know. <laughs> That's our lead. I love the way Libby Carlton uh, put, put her uh, profile on Instagram. She's a student over at Purdue. And uh, here's her profile. Now, profile is what you put to describe yourself, right? So it's about you, and you want to put a few things describe Guess what her profile is? This is awesome. Describing herself, she says this. You are so loved by Jesus. Exclamation mark. And don't you love, she used the word that John uses, you are so loved. What does Libby want, want us to know about her? Forget about me. You are so loved by Jesus. And if you will get that truth, you come alive. So we lead with that, but then we move into and God gave his son for you. His love was poured out as he gave his son. And then we get into that whole realm of he had to die. And you talk about the cross and the viciousness of the cross. Why was it so horrible? And it's because our sin is horrible before him and we've sinned against a holy God. And yet he he gave his son. He suffered what we suffered. And then Our response is simply to believe. It's not to go out and do things. It's to believe, to look to the sun, And if we will believe, we will receive the promise of eternal life. Isn't that good? God loved. God gave. We believe. And we receive the gift of, of salvation. Verse 17 says, that God sent his son into the world. In John 17, Jesus prays for us and he says, Father, I am sending them into the world. And then in John 20, after the resurrection, he gathers with his disciples and he says, guys, I'm sending you. What do sent people do? What, What can you assume somebody who's been sent is doing? You're moving. You're in motion. We're going. We're not, if we're fishermen, we're not out on the boat, out in the uh, in our boat waiting for the fish to jump in. We're going. We're, we're exiting our comfort zones. We're breaking this holy huddle. We're going out, building relationships, friendships, seeking to be the presence of Christ to the people around. We're going. But as we go, what do we know? He promises us the power through the Holy Spirit to be his witness. And he's working it. Pressure's off. Do we have to argue people into the kingdom of God? No. We just have to go. Faithful to go. Love them. Share the message of hope with them. And then God will do what he's going to do. So whatever happened to Nicodemus? And I love the the way John hits the TV and lets us tune back in, albeit it's at the end of the show and uh, end of the story. But... uh, this Friday night, we're going to gather for Good Friday and, and gather at the foot of the cross. Who was at the foot of the cross? We know that John was there, as Jesus told him, John, this is, now you're your mom, take care of my mom. And we know Jesus' mom, Mary, was there. But who, was, who else was at the foot of the cross? And was Nicodemus reborn? Did, did new birth happen? Nicodemus was at the foot of the cross, along with Joseph of Arimathea, and Nicodemus didn't, wasn't just standing there empty-handed. He had 75 pounds of expensive perfume. And he was the guy, one of the last human, or the last human, he and Joseph, to actually hold the body of Jesus, a body that, and if you hold someone in the condition that our Lord was, you don't forget that moment. And uh, he wrapped the body of Jesus, in burial clothes, and he's the one who laid him in the tomb, he and Joseph. Did Nicodemus receive new, new life, new birth? Yes. I love this picture of Jesus leading this guy into life eternal. Such that here's a, a guy that would be willing to bring a costly sacrifice for the, uh, the guy that everyone else thought was a criminal and was dying on the cross, he knew his eyes had been opened. This is the king. This is the Messiah. This is the son of God. I'll go down with him. Believe, and you will have eternal life. So we celebrate his birth, or his our new birth, and then we go share this message. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this gift of, of truth the chance to drop into this conversation and, and just bask again in your love for us. Lord, we thank you most of all for your mercy and your grace that has given us new life in Christ. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of and the uh, the joy of just being able to go and share what you've done for us with those around us. We do pray for this week and this next weekend in our community and know that as we look into our community into our friendships and that there, there's a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, and a lot of people who have no hope. And Lord, we pray that as we go this week that you would help us to go with your eyes, with your heart, with your hands, and, and uh, with the joy of knowing that, that uh, our only hope is you And yet everyone who will, anyone, whoever believes in you, will receive eternal life. And So we just pray that many would come to faith in you for your glory and for their joy. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.